Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Qur'an al-Kareem when he mentioned the hukum to fast in this month of Ramadan at the end he said two very important critical things the first is la'allakum tattakun and the second is ayyama ma'dudat la'allakum tattakun Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned that the purpose the maqsad of fasting in this month of Ramadan is to become a person of taqwa and the second thing he mentioned in Quran, ayyamun ma'dudat, is that these are limited days. So me and you right now, we have entered the last ashara, the last ten days of the month of Ramadan. So in a way, we are in the waning days, the waxing days of the month of Ramadan. Just like when you see the moon, right, the sign, and we are, it is a lunar month. When you see the moon, it changes and passes the half moon and goes into its waning stage. You realize that the month is about to end. So the mentality that should come upon us in these last 10 days is that these precious days of Ramadan that were limited in number, that were ma'adud, that were countable in number, innumerable, they are coming to an end and we should try to spend the last few days in the most beneficial, the maximum way that we can possible. And we should try maximally to try to get this ultimate ni'mah of taqwa. Now you will find that whenever somebody has something that is limited in number and it starts running out, they start to view it as more and more precious. If you're a very rich person and you walk into a store, you will spend freely. If you walk into the store and you have a limited amount of money, you will be more careful about how much money you spend. If you have a limited amount of money and you've already spent two-thirds of your money and you're down to your last one-third, you're going to be extremely careful as to how you spend that last amount of money. So we are down to the last one-third, the last nine or ten days of this month of Ramadan. We should think that each and every day we should try to spend as carefully as possible. Each and every day we should maximize for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is why the Prophet ﷺ performed the sunnah of itikaf every single year of his life. So that this ten days are honored so much that we disconnect ourselves entirely from the dunya, from our work, from our studies, from our family, from our children, from every single thing. This is the asal sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. Now if we're not able for some reason due to some necessity or for some other reason to do amal on the complete sunnah, but at least we should have the complete mentality of the sunnah. So even if we are sitting in our office or sitting in our university, there should be some level of disengagement, some level of disconnect. Our hearts should be more attached to Allah SWT in these 10 days. We should view everything that we do other than ibadah as ghair asal in these 10 days. These 10 days of our life should be spent totally differently than how we spend the other 355 days of the year. So as much as possible, again, a person should try to sit in the takaf, they should spend the nights in the takaf, the weekends in the takaf, a few hours in the takaf, from asr to isha in the takaf. However much time they can spend in the masjid, however much time you can spend in that disconnect, that disengagement from the dunya, that will be giving benefit and giving life to these last 10 days. And the reality is that most of us have not been able to succeed in this mission. It's day 21 and how many of us can say that we have entered the ranks of the muttaqeen or the muttaqoon. So if we haven't been able to do it yet, it means we have 9 or 10 days left to get this maqsad. Otherwise, if this month finishes and we are not able to get the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, well, there's an incredible story mentioned in the date that Rasulullah s.a.w. once was stepping up on the member. And he stepped on the first step and he said, Ameen. Then he went to the second step and he said, Ameen. Then he went to the third step and he said, Ameen. So the Sahaba asked him, Ya Rasulullah, what were you saying? Why were you saying Ameen when you went up on each step? And he said that, oh my companions, or Angel Jibreel came and he was making certain du'as and I was saying Ameen to those du'as. And one of those du'as was that, woe to that person upon who passes the month of Ramadan and he is unable to attain the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by the end of that month. Now this is Rahmatullah Alameen making this du'a. This is that same Prophet ﷺ who used to make du'a for his ummah and his tahajjud. 
the same Prophet when he was taken on Isra and Miraj and was shown the statements of shown the scenes and the visions of Jahannam shown that there will be people from his ummah being punished in different ways for different sins in Jahannam when he came back he could not speak to the Sahaba for several days that same Prophet of so much mercy is saying Ameen Imagine that that means truly that that person who passes Ramadan is even then not able to change. Even the Prophet some gave up on him. Allah Akbar Kabira. The Prophet was not a person to give up on anybody lightly. So that means this month of Ramadan is of incredible power and if we do not tap into that power, it's not just enough to say, well, we were lazy or well, I'm not so religious or well, maybe I'll do it next year. No, no, no. If you fail to tap into Ramadan, you are actually failing. And you are getting the du'as of Jibreel Amin and Rasulullah's Amin upon you. So it means that we should have a craze that this month of Ramadan is almost over and I should do something to change myself, to make myself a person of taqwa. This is why Allah SWT says in the Qur'an al-Kareem, أَفَحِسِبْتُمْ أَنَّمَا خَلَقْنَاكُمْ أَبَثًا Do you think that we have created you for no reason? For no purpose? Do you think we have created you idly? No. We've created you for a maqsad to reach this ala maqam of insan that can be even higher than the angels. So we need to plug ourselves out of our routinized life, our day in and day out of life that we wake up, we go to work, we come home, we hang out, we go to sleep, we wake up, we go to work, we come out, we hang out, we go to sleep. We do this over and over and over again. So Ramadan has come to jolt us, to snap us out of our routinized life, to connect us back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What does Ramadan create, right? Let me tell you what are some of the states or the sifat that Ramadan was meant to create. So if we don't have them yet already, we can try to create them in these last 10 days. Number one is the situation or sifat of shukr, of thankfulness and gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is the feeling that alhamdulillah we have not been made poor, we have not been, been made people to feel this hunger and thirst year round. If we feel this hunger and thirst, it's only because we choose to. And when the sun sets, we can remove that hunger and thirst in a magnificent way. Right? So to have shukr to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we are people who have so much izzat, so much sharf on earth, that we never have to feel hunger and we never have to feel thirst. To feel shukr to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we are people of so much izzat, that we have our homes, we have our families. There are four million refugees in Iraq. Four million refugees, the United States own statistic. Four million, two million internally displaced and two million who are refugees in Syria, Jordan and other neighboring countries. Four million people are homeless, right, due to the war in Iraq. You cannot imagine what this is, it's just a word for you, homeless. You cannot imagine the state of being, the state of life somebody has. And we, we are people who have houses and gates and cars and knocker, chakar, right? I mean, so we should think and become people of shukr at how much is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us. So this month is a month of shukr. We should try to spend these next 10 days realizing how much and really prostrating and falling in sajda to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala out of thankfulness and gratitude to how much ni'mas and how much is it He has given us. The second feeling in this month is that of sabr. And that sabr is not just meant to be sabr from hunger and thirst. This is why the Prophet said also in the that unfortunately there will be some people who get nothing from Ramadan except for hunger and thirst. That is what we call a rawayat or rawajan, spending of Ramadan. So that's not the purpose we need that sabr for. Because none of us really intend to stay hungry and thirsty after this month of Ramadan. So this training of Ramadan is to make us a person of sabr. Sabr in what sense? Sabr means self-restraint, that we can restrain our nafs, restrain ourselves from sin, restrain ourselves from the things that Allah has prohibited. Have shukr, be grateful, be content with doing that which Allah has made permitted, and not to yearn for that which He has prohibited. To be happy with the halal, to have restraint from the haram. That is the thing that a person wants to do and learn in this month of Ramadan. The third thing is taqwa. And taqwa obviously means this type of sabr and it also means a heightened awareness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You will find that normally when you're fasting you think about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala more. 
Because every time you feel hunger, you remember Allah. Because when you feel hunger, you remember you're fasting. When you're fasting, you remember the being for whose sake you are fasting. So this ability to think about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala more and more, this is something that we need to carry with us after and beyond this month of Ramadan. So this month of Ramadan is again about change. And I've explained this to you before using the Arabic language that another word from the Arabic is tarmid. And tarmid from the same root, ramim zad, means to sharpen. In Ramadan we are sharpening ourselves in the last 10 days is the last moments that you can sharpen the knife. Otherwise the rest of the year you will be stuck with that knife. <laughs> so Ramadan is the time to sharpen our naf, to sharpen our ruh, to sharpen our kalb to do ibadah, to do worship, to do itaat, to do obedience. And if we don't fail to sharpen, if we fail to sharpen it, then we will be stuck with this. We will not get such an opportunity like this until next year, next Ramadan. This notion of taqwa, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in the Quran al-Kareem, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanatukullaha haqqa tukati. That, oh, you believe you should have taqwa, you should fear Allah, haqqa tukati, as He deserves to be feared. You should have taqwa, you should be conscious of Allah, haqqa tukati, as He deserves to be remembered. You should have taqwa, you should love Allah, haqqa tukati, as He deserves to be loved. It means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala set the rank of taqwa at an incredible level, a massive level of taqwa. There's no limit to the amount of taqwa that a person can have. It is a limitless treasure that Allah subhanahu wa has set as a target for us in this month of Ramadan. What we should be doing in the last 10 days is we have to be honest. What happens lots of times in Ramadan is that a person sometimes gets deluded by their fasting and thinking that, okay, you know, mashallah, this year, for some of us, the first time in my life, I made the 30 fasts. Mashallah, this year, I managed to make taraweeh a few times. Mashallah, this year, for the first time in my life, I made all 30 taraweehs, right? The purpose of Ramadan is not, towards the end of Ramadan, to reflect upon one's achievements in this month or to think about how much we've done in the first 20-21 days. The purpose now in the last 10 days is to be honest and look and identify what our sins are. What is it about our life that we're doing against the commandments of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and against the sunnah of His beloved Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? How far are we from the lives of the Sahaba? How far are we from the life of the Prophet sallallahu How far are we from the Qur'anic human being? That is what we should be reflecting upon. And this is what we do in the dunya, right? In the dunya, we don't content ourselves, right? If you get one good grade or you write one good paper, you don't sit back and relax. You still work hard. You think, okay, what are the other courses that I'm studying? What are the courses that I'm not doing well in? What's the area that I need to improve on? That is what you should be thinking about in the last nine, ten days of Ramadan. What are all the things that are wrong with me? And if you start doing it, if you do it sincerely, you will find many things. There will be no shortage of things. This itself is a mercy from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In Persian, this is called Didi Kasur. Shaykh Ahmed Sir Hindi, rahimahullah ta'ala, wrote in his Maktubat al-Rabbaniyah that Didi Kasur is one of the great blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that a person becomes aware of their faults. A person knows of their shortcomings and a person should make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ya Allah open up my faults to me. Close the faults of others, veil the faults of others from my gaze, and unveil my own faults to me. And the unfortunate reality is most of us, we're completely the other way around. All we do is see the faults in other people, we find, we are able to critique other people. We're not able to sit and critique ourselves. And we definitely can't handle it if anybody comes and critiques us. We have a certain level of takabbar. We think our life is going perfectly fine. But I'm completely straight. There's nothing wrong with me and there's nothing wrong with the way I'm living. Didi kasur means that a person should think that there's too many things wrong with me. There's so many things wrong with me. Ya Allah, truly you are sattab. You are the veiler of faults. You are the veiler of sins. Allah, if you unveil my reality to the people, they would not want to look in my direction. If you unveiled the reality of my people, they would not even think it worthy to spit on my face. That is my hakikat. But Allah, you have 
clothed me, you have veiled me, you have shrouded my sins and my flaws and my shortcomings. If they could see the najas of my fikr, if they could see the ugly, dirty thoughts that I have when I walk in the street, nobody would want to come anywhere near me. My own sister would be ashamed to call me her brother. If they could see the najasa of the things that I do when I'm alone, people would disown me. If they could see the green that I have in my heart, the anger that I have in my heart, the envy that I have in my heart for others, people would disown me. Ya Allah, it is only your karam, your shafqat, your rahma, your sattariyat that people are praising when they praise me. They're not praising me. They're praising the veils that you have put over my faults. So in these last nine, ten days to reflect upon our state and to use these last days to make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for change. In essence, really Ramadan is all about change. If a person does not change in Ramadan, they have not spent Ramadan. Ramadan is not about being hungry and thirsty from Fajr to Maghrib. Ramadan is about change. The only reason Allah Ta'ala kept us hungry and thirsty was to enable us to change, to make it easier for us to change, to strengthen us to change, to weaken our nafs that prevents us from changing, to show us that we have the ability to change. But if we don't change, then we get nothing from Ramadan, literally. You will get nothing if all you did was you remain hungry and thirsty. You will save yourself from punishment, at least you fulfilled the first, yes. So you save yourself from the punishment of not having fulfilled the farz, but you will not gain anything from merely being hungry and thirsty in this month of Ramadan. Change has to be done proactively. So number one change is to identify sins that you can change, that you can remove. And the second thing is to identify ibadat or sunnahs that you can add to your life. If a person does not think like that, then they will not be able to change. Dini change, religious change, is of these two things. Either you leave those things that Allah has prohibited or that earn His displeasure, or you add those things that He has commanded or that earn His pleasure. That is what needs to be done in this month of Ramadan. So these last ten days, a very famous hadith in Sahih Muslim, the Prophet said that this is a month, awwalahu rahmatun, that the first ten days of it is a mercy, awsatuhu maghfiratun, the middle ten days of it is a maghfirah, forgiveness from Allah, وَآخِرُهُ إِتْكُمْ مِنَ النَّارِ And the last ten days of it are an emancipation from the hellfire. That means that every single night in the last ten days of Ramadan, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala showers so much mercy and forgiveness upon the people of this ummah that every night certain Muslims who were destined for hellfire, certain Muslims who were so distant from Allah, so distant from the sunnah of His beloved Prophet, so distant from the deen that their names had been written, Amongst the denizens of Jahannam, Allah Ta'ala will take those names out and put them in the ranks of the names and the register of the people who will make it to Jannah. Every night this happens. We should make dua every single night in these last 10 days that Ya Rabbi Kareem, I am those people. I am amongst those people who deserves help. My actions, my thoughts, my emotions have put me on that path. Ya Rabbi Kareem, your Prophet was a sadiq al-ameen. He was the true one, the trustworthy one. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, surely you are the most truest of beings. Surely you would honor his word since he has declared and taught us that every night people will be taken out from hellfire. Ya Rabbi Kareem, I ask you to make me amongst those people who are taken out from the hellfire tonight. This should be our dua, our talab, our tarab on each and every night of these last ten days. As opposed to that other hadith that I mentioned to you in the Prophet ﷺ, that ba'id is that person distant from me. This is what the Prophet ﷺ, distant from me is that person who passes Ramadan but is still not forgiven by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The only, there's only one way that you can pass through Ramadan and not be forgiven. There's only one way that you, we could fall under this. And that is that we ourselves fail to make true tawbah. True tawbah means, number one, that a person feels genuine remorse and regret. Even one step before, number one, a person acknowledges and admits that they have faults and shortcomings. Number two, they feel true genuine remorse and regret over their faults and shortcomings. Number three, they seek the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for those faults and shortcomings. And number four, they make tawbah, they renounce 
that lifestyle, they renounce that company, they renounce those friends, they renounce those loans, they renounce all of those things that were earning the displeasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If we're not able to renounce it, we're not going to get the forgiveness, we're not going to get the mercy from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So until we change ourselves, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not going to change our condition. There are four types, four ways that a person can check whether their Ramadan was beneficial. Number one they can see is that, did I not sin at all in Ramadan? If a person does not sin at all in Ramadan, then they can feel that my Ramadan was beneficial. Number two, they can say, okay, I did sin, but at least I sinned less in Ramadan than I normally did. That can also be a sign that a person's Ramadan is beneficial. Third is that in this month of Ramadan I had a less attachment to the dunya or more attachment to the akhirah than I normally do. That is a sign that a person's Ramadan has been beneficial. And fourth is that in terms of their deen they find some level of improvement. Whether that's quantitatively or qualitatively they feel that my prayers are more focused now than they were before. My du'as are more sincere now than they were before. Or I pray more regularly now than I do before. All of these things are signs that a person has spent their Ramadan properly. There are four things that a person should do abundantly. Four types of du'as a person should do abundantly in these last ten days. This is from a hadith of the Prophet. It's combining two hadiths of the Prophet ﷺ. The two things that you should do. And two things, two things for your Lord and two things for yourself. For your Lord, two types of dhikr. Number one is called tahleel of the kalima to recite La ilaha illallah over and over again as much as you can in these last ten days. Number two is to recite istighfar, any formula that you know to make abundant istighfar in these last ten days. Then the two du'as that a person does for oneself is that the Prophet said that you should abundantly seek jannah. Allahumma inna nas'alukun jannatul firdaus in ghayri hisab. That, O oh Allah, we ask you to grant us jannatul firdaus. And you should seek refuge from jahannam. Allahumma ajirna min al-nar. Ya Allah, we ask you to grant us refuge from jahannam. These four du'as should be often, the, these two dhikrs, la ilaha illallah and istighfar. And these two du'as for jannat and jahannam, these should be oft repeated on our tongue on these last ten days. Then in these last 10 days, there is another incredible thing, which is Laylatul Qadr. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed the whole surah about this, Inna anzalnahu fi Laylatul Qadr. That verily we revealed the Quran al Kareem in this Laylatul Qadr, wa ma adraka ma Laylatul Qadr, Laylatul Qadr khayru min alf shahr. That this Laylatul Qadr is better than 1000 months, which means it's better than 80 years. And so what we should be doing in these last 10 days, we should be seeking Laylatul Qadr. We should be the people who are seeking this special night and the special barakat and rahmat of this night. According to a hadith, it comes in the odd nights of the last ten days. Uh, that would be tonight. Tonight is the first possible night of being Layl Tukadr. Tonight is the night of the 21st or the 23rd or the 25th or the 27th or the 29th. So these five nights at least... A person should spend these five nights in as much worship, du'a, dhikr, reflection, ibadah as they can. And they should make this near that, Ya Allah I'm seeking out Laylatul Qadr. Some ulama are even of the opinion that if a person is sincere and makes that niyat, irrespective of which night Laylatul Qadr falls upon, because their niyat was to find it, and they struggled and they made an attempt to find it, that Allah Ta'ala will make Laylatul Qadr find them, they will be guaranteed or they will be viewed as the equivalent as of having found Laylatul Qadr. There is a hikmat in this, that Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala could have told us when Laylatul Qadr was. He could have fixed it. It's not guaranteed to be the 27th. That's not a guarantee. There's a hikmat in that because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is such an adheem night, it's such an adheem benefit that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is giving us that He wants us to search for it. He wants us to seek it. He wants us to strive for it. That searching, seeking, striving for it itself is beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Therefore, He has kept it hidden amongst the last five of the odd nights of this month of Ramadan. Some ulama are of the position that it changes every year. One year it may be on the 23rd, one year it's on the 25th, one year it's on the 21st. Others take the position that no, it's always the same one, but you never know which, you don't know which one it is. 
Either way, the adab and the practice of this whole ummah historically has been to search out this night of Laylatul Qadr. If you cannot spend the whole night in worship, what you should do is spend the last portion of the night in worship, whatever that can be for you. Whether it's one-third of the last night, the last hour of the night, the last half hour of the night, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Qur'an that Laylatul Qadr lasts hatta matla al-fajr until tulu al-fajr. So we don't know when it starts. Some of us say it starts at Maghrib. Some say it starts at Isha. Some say it starts and it builds up across the night. Either way, no matter what, this much is guaranteed in the Qur'an that it lasts until Fajr. So if you can spend the last hour, let's say, of these last of these five odd nights, so that's just five hours of your life. Five hours of your life to get something equivalent to 83 years. Now look, if this was your dunya, if I told you that work five hours for me, let's say you make $100 an hour wage, work five hours, I will give you 83 years worth of wages. You would be lined up around the block. You'd be lined up from Karachi to Lahore to collect these wages from me. This is our reality, right? A security guard will stand the whole night in guarding something just for a night's wage. And Allah SWT is offering 80 plus years, 82 years of barakah, 80 plus years of maghfirah, 80 plus years of thawab, 80 plus years of ajr. And we still are lazy. We still don't have a desire. It's amazing, right? Allah SWT is trying to jolt our hearts. And really, you know, uh, there's a story. Once a young man went to a shaykh after a talk and said, Shaykh, make dua for me. And he said, for what? He said, I'm worried that my heart is sleeping make dua that my heart wakes up. He says, what makes you think that? He says that well, when you sit and you say, Qala Allahu Ta'ala, Qala Rasulullah you mention the ayat of the Qur'an, you mention the sayings of Rasulullah Wasallam. nothing happens to me. So I'm worried that my heart may be sleeping. He said, young man, your heart is not sleeping, your heart is dead. Your heart is not sleeping, your heart is dead. If your heart was sleeping, when something is sleeping and you shake it, it wakes up. So if your heart was sleeping, it would have been woken up by hearing the teachings of Allah and the teaching of His Messenger wasallam. If you're saying that that still did not touch you, that still did not prompt you, that means your heart is dead. And in this last 10 days, this is the ultimate. These are the days that Allah can revive our dead hearts. Right? What are other signs that a person's heart is dead? Number one, the sign that a person's heart is dead is that he can sin without hesitation does not feel any hesitation, any jijak when he commits a sin. Number two sign that a person's heart is dead is that after they commit the sin, they do not feel any remorse or regret. If they intended to wake up in the morning for fajr and they make up at 8 a.m., they feel zero remorse, regret. Or if they lead a life like that and every morning they wake up at 8, 9 a.m. with absolutely not even a drop of remorse and regret in their heart, it means their spiritual heart is dead. But these last 10 days of Ramadan, we can revive our hearts. All you have to do is place your heart in front of the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You don't have to do much. <laughs> it takes much more actually fancy process to revive a physically dead heart. If you want to revive a spiritually dead heart, you don't have to do the reviving. You just have to do the wanting. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will do the reviving. Just niyat, that's it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I want you to revive my dead heart. I want you to soften my hard heart. I want you to wake up my sleeping heart. That is enough. Just this niyat, just this dua, just this irada would be sufficient for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to change our heart. So we should try to spend the last hour at least, right, ideally more, of these odd nights seeking out Laylatul Qadr. What to do on Laylatul Qadr, we've already mentioned this, right, when we were discussing to you for itikaf. You should pray nawafil, pray tahajjud, pray salatul tasbih, pray salatul tawbah, pray salatul istikhara for all the decisions you'll ever make in your life. You can make a general niyat like that. Pray salatul hajjud and make niyat for all of the needs you may ever face in your life. Pray some qaza salat with the niyat that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I've probably missed hundreds or thousands of prayers in my life. But Allah, on this night which you say is worth 80 odd years, I offer a few kaza humbly in your court. Perhaps you may accept them and give me the ability to make up the rest of my salah for the rest of my life. You should read the Qur'an al-Kareem, you should make dhikr. But the ultimate thing, the real thing, is that you should make dua and you should make tawbah. 
This is essentially a night of tawbah, a night of repentance, and a night of du'a to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And a night of forgiveness. It's also very crucial that we forgive others. The Prophet said in hadith that every Muslim who asks the forgiveness of Allah Layla Qadr will be forgiven except that Muslim who has hurt the heart of his fellow Muslim. If we had hurt the heart of a fellow Muslim, if somebody else would Urdu called Dil Azari, if somebody's heart is hurt because of us and we cannot ask for forgiveness or at least ask Allah to forgive us for hurting their heart and ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to soften that person's heart, to bring sukoon to that person's heart, to cure that wound. So we should forgive others and seek the forgiveness of others on these nights so that we may be able to get the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on together. There are many verses in the Qur'an al-Kareem that a person can recite on these nights. These are known as the verses of Tawbah. Many verses that you can think about. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Qur'an, Ya ayyuhal ladheena amanu tubu illallahi tawbatan nasuha. That, O oh, you who believe, make Tawbah towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Tawbatan nasuh is sincere, true, complete, kamil, total Tawbah. And that means what? That literally to make tawbah of all of our past sins, all of our past a'mal, all of our wrong a'mal. To make a complete tawbah in that way. And then to make niyat, Allah says elsewhere in the Quran, اُدْخُلُوا فِي السِّلْمِ To enter the deen of Islam completely. So really this night is about presenting yourself to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Presenting yourself to that power. You can imagine that really it's like the ocean of the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the ocean of the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and we have to put ourselves on that shore and stand there and submit ourselves and let that, those waves come over us and let those waves carry us away. The problem is, is that we spend the whole of our life in safe and land. We don't present ourselves, we don't support ourselves to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's the very meaning of our deen. Islam means submission, it doesn't mean peace. The word salam means peace. Islam means peace through submission. That a person can only attain peace by submitting to the divine. Until we submit completely, we will not get complete peace. So this is a night where we have to submit ourselves to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Become Muslims in reality, as opposed to just Muslims in name. And pledge ourselves to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on these nights. Ya Allah, I pledge myself to you. I pledge my life to you. Yourself said in the Quran al-Kareem, إِنَّ اللَّهُ اشْتَرَى الْمُؤْمِنِينَ That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has purchased the believers. We are sold. We are sold goods. We belong to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Everything we do belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, meaning that it should be spent and done in a way that earns His pleasure. So to make that pledge on this night, to sell ourselves voluntarily, even though we may have already been bought, to ourselves be part of that sale. To ourselves give ourselves to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is what we should be doing on these nights. That is a type of true tawbah. When a person really does tawbah, a person changes in such a way that they can never change back. Let me give you a story in the U.S. There's lots of prisons in the United States where a lot of Muslims go and work and convert people to Islam. Whether it's before 9-11, after 9-11, many United States governments also, federal governments, support people. And actually encourage Muslims to go in. Uh, in fact, there was a time when many prison systems said that, you know, we're not able to fix these people. In America, they call it a correctional facility. It means in theory, it is supposed to bring out the reform of the individual who has been incarcerated or in prison. But as they saw that Islam was the greatest thing, that was able to fix these people, they actually started encouraging and opening the doors of the prisons wide open to people doing dawah, going in, working with prisoners. So in North Carolina, there's a person, long time ago person, uh, I haven't met him for many, many years, but mashallah, he did a lot of work in the prisons, right? And sometimes people would ask him to tell us the story, you know, what is it, what's, tell us what it's like working in the prison. So one of the stories he would tell is that he says that when I would work in the prisons and people would accept Islam, so many times if I became close to a person, I would ask them after some time, 
that what is the greatest thing that affected you, what was the greatest change that came about to you since you became Muslim. So he gave a story about a person in a North Carolina jail. And he says that this person used to come, listen to my talks, he accepted Islam, and he wanted to learn how to read Quran, he learned the Arabic, how to read Arabic, he was able to read the Quran in Arabic, he learned his prayers, he used to read Quran all the time. In a matter of months, I was amazed I never had such a student like him, I never seen such zeal, such passion in any convert. So when I became close to him, I asked him one day that what is the greatest change that has come over you after having become Muslim? And he said that he started to get tears in his eyes. And he said to me, but he said to that person, he said to me that I, nobody here in prison knows my reality. I was caught in a minor offense and my prison sentence is going to be up in a matter of nine months, several months. The reality is that I have committed crimes the like of which you cannot imagine. I have even committed murder. I used to kill people just for the fun of seeing the blood flow from their wound when I would stab them. This, is my, this was my reality. I happened to get caught on some minor robbery and therefore I'm here for the short prison term. But in reality, I'm a criminal of that level, of a mass murderer. He says, when I used to kill people and see their blood flow, I used to dance around their bodies. That's the type of person I was. And ever since I've accepted Islam, and I feel so much toba, and I've repented so much to my Lord, and I'm so scared and sad over the things I used to do, that now my state is such that when I walk in the prison yard, I look down the whole time to make sure that not a single ant comes underneath my shoe. I'm so scared to even take the life of an ant. My friends, this is Tawbah. <laughs> this is the deen of Islam. This is the power of Islam. We have not tapped into the power of this deen. The power of this deen is such that it can transform a human being completely and entirely. It is a revolutionary deen. It is a fundamentalist deen. It changes the fundamentals of a person. It changes our basic essence, our basic core value. If a person truly submits to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this way, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will completely change their life. There's no level, there is no Muslim who is beyond the reach of the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in these last 10 days. There is nothing. If a person has spent years in ghaflat, if a person has come to the masjid after 20 years of their life, if a person has spent decades leaving prayer, there is nothing, nothing that is beyond the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is just you and me who have to make that irada. There is no sin, whether it's interest, it's zina, there's nothing that is beyond the reach of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We'll end with a very famous story. Sayyidina Hassan al-Basrihimuhullah ta'ala was one of the famous tabi'in. He was sent to Basra by Sayyidina Ali radiallahu anhu and he used to teach Qur'an and he used to also have a majlis of tazkiyah there at night. There was a woman who was very fond of Hassan al-Basri's dars and she used to go to him regularly but the son of that woman was an impious boy and he used to commit all types of sins and the mother used to go, this is Dora Tabi and the mother used to go to Hassan al-Basri and would always tell him that I want you to make dua for my son, can you talk to my son Every now and then because of the love that this woman had for Hassan Basri, so he would indulge her and he would go and speak to the boy and try to convince him to leave his sinful ways. But he never succeeded. One day, this boy became extremely sick. He became so sick that he realized and the doctors told him that this is his illness, this is his maraz al-maut, this is a fatal illness. So then this boy told his mother, that I am sick and I've realized now what I have done and I've spent my life in disobeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Perhaps the sickness has come to me as a punishment for that. I want to make true tawbah before I pass away. Please go get that shaykh who used to talk about Hassan al-Basri and ask him to come here and tell him that I want to do tawbah at his hands. So the mother went to Hassan al-Basri's house and she knocked on the door. He opened the door and he saw it was her. And she said, that, oh, Shaykh, my son says that he's sincere, he wants to make tawbah. 
Shaykh Hassan al-Basri at that moment was preparing some dars that he had to give. So he said, old woman, how many times are you going to listen to the tricks and deceptions of your son? I've tried many times to convince your son. There is no hope for your son. There is nothing I can do for your son. Please do not disturb me. And he shut the door. Mother, standing there, she started crying. Mother is a mother. And she went back to her son and she said, oh my son, Hassan al-Basri has refused you to come. There have been too many times in the past when you would agree to meet him and you've disappointed him too many times in the past. Now he is not willing to come to see you. Then the young man started crying and he said that, oh my mother, I think that this is a sign that perhaps Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not accept my tawbah. And perhaps Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is thinking that you spent your whole life, you spent your youth sinning. And only now that you know with certainty that death is overcoming you, now you are repenting. So maybe Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not accepted my repentance. Oh my mother, then I ask you one last wish. I ask that when I die, that you should take a rope and wrap it around my neck. And that you should have me dragged through the town. And that some proclaimer should call out to the people of the town that look, this is the fate of the people who sin. That perhaps if I'm not able to save myself, perhaps some other young men when they see what is my state and that I died in this sickness and that I'm being dragged throughout the town, perhaps some other young man may be able to make tawbah before the certainty of death overcomes it. And then while saying that, he fell and he died in the lap of his mother. When he died in the lap of his mother, the mother sat there and she was holding him and she was crying at the loss of her son. And after some time, there was a knock on the door. She went to the door and she opened the door and she was stunned. She saw Shaykh Hassan al-Basri And she said, Ya Shaykh, what has brought you here? He said, old woman, when you left, I finished preparing my darsan, and I lay down for a nap as is my habit for 10, 15, 20 minutes. When I lay down in my nap, a voice called out to me and said, O Hassan al-Basri, you have refused to accept the tawbah of my wali. If you do not go and immediately to that wali of mine, I will take away your own wilayah. So, O old woman, I have come here to take the tawbah of your son. She said, Hassan al-Basri, my son has passed away. He said, old woman, then I will do his ghusl, I will do his janazah, accept me to... Do lead the janazah prayer of your son. So it means that a young man, no matter how deep he may have gone, if he turns in true repentance to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah Hurabalizad can accept his tawbah, can change his life, can take his name out from the people of hellfire, can put his name in the ranks of the awliya. This is the month of Ramadan, this is the month of taqwa, this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in the Quran al Kareem, in awliya ahu illa al who are the awliya of Allah except the people of taqwa? This month of Ramadan is the month of la'allakum tattakun, the month to become a person of taqwa. May Allah subhanahu wa give us the ability in these last 10 days of this month of Ramadan to increase in our taqwa, to increase in our wilaya, to become people of tawbah, to become people of change. May He accept us not just in this month, but may He accept our whole lives so that they may live for His sake and for his pleasure wa akhiru da'wana an alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin la ilaha illallah muhammadur rasulullah subhanarabbiyal almalhab allahumma salli ala sayyidina muhammad wa ala ali sayyidina muhammad wa mubarak wa sallam rabbana zalamna anfusana wa illam taghfir lana wa tarhamna lanakunanna minal khasirin Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem, Dalamna Anfusana. Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem, You are the Lord, You are our our Lord. Ya Allah, You have granted us each and every netma, bounty and blessing from the moment we were born. Ya Allah, You grant us the gift of Iman, the gift of Islam. Ya Allah, You have granted us a life of Izzat, the life of Sihat, the life of Sharf. Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem, Ya Allah, truly You have been the most perfect and wonderful and beautiful Rabb. Dalamna Anfusana. Ya Allah, we have wronged ourselves, we have oppressed our souls. Ya Allah, we have allowed ourselves to stray from the path of the deen. Ya Allah, we have left the teachings of Your Qur'an al-Kareem. We have left the teachings of Your Nabi al-Kareem. Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem, we ask You to send Your Rahmah, Your mercy upon us, Your Maghfir, Your forgiveness upon us. Ya Allah, for if You do not forgive us, surely we will be amongst the lost ones. Ya 
Ya Allah, we ask you to forgive us for all of the sins that we committed in the past. Forgive us for the sins that we stay and we commit in the present. Ya Allah, grant us najat and take us out from our sinful ways in the present. And Ya Allah, put us in your hifaza, safeguard us from committing any sins in the future. Ya Rabbi Kareem, forgive us for the sins that we did with our minds. Forgive us for the sins that we did with our hearts. Forgive us for the sins that we did with our bodies. Forgive us for the sins that we did with our eyes. Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem, forgive us for the sinful thoughts that we thought. Forgive us for the sinful emotions that we felt. Forgive us for the sinful words that we spoke. Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem, forgive us for the sinful actions that we have committed. Ya Rabbi Kareem, we ask you to take out the unlawful desire from our heart. We ask you to take out the unlawful anger from our heart. Ya Allah, we ask you to take away hasad, envy, jealousy from our heart. We ask you to take away the arrogance, pride and conceit from our heart. Ya Rabbi Kareem, Ya Allah, we ask you to grant us the noble akhlaq of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Ya Allah, we ask you to take out love for this world from our heart and increase our hearts and our love for you and love for all of those things that are beloved to you. Ya Allah, we ask you to put humility in our heart. Ya Allah, we ask you to restore to us the sifat of modesty of haya. Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem, Ya Allah, we ask you to revive our dead hearts. Ya Rabbi Kareem, we are amongst those people who sin and feel no remorse. We are amongst those people who leave the wajibat, the faraiz, the obligations and feel no remorse. Ya Allah, we ask you to unveil us, to unveil our faults to us. Ya Allah, take us out of our delusions. Take us out of this deluded life that we have wrapped ourselves in. Ya Allah, take us out from the ultimate delusion that we have tried to live our life without you. Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem, we ask you to come back into our life. Ya Allah, we pledge ourselves to you. From the tips of our hair to the soles of our feet, from the outermost of our being to the inner core of our soul. Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem, we pledge ourselves to you utterly and entirely. Ya Allah, we ask you to accept us amongst your ibad. Make us amongst your ibad, your ibadik as saliheen. Make us amongst your righteous and pious worshippers. Allahumma jalla min al-muttaqeen. Ya Allah, make us amongst the people of taqwa. Ya Allah, grant us an eye that has taqwa, a tongue that is taqwa, a mind that is taqwa, a heart that is taqwa. Ya Allah, grant us this ni'mayazim of taqwa. Ya Rabbi Kareem, grant us a heart that is fearful of you. Grant us a heart that is always remembering you. Ya Allah, grant us a heart that is in love with you. Ya Rabbi Kareem, incline our hearts to all of those things that earn your pleasure. We too want to live a life with which you will be razi. And Ya Allah, disincline our hearts from all of those things that earn your displeasure. Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem, keep us away from the false ideologies. Keep us away from the false philosophies. Ya Allah, keep us away from the evil of our nafs. Save us from the evil of shaitan. Ya Allah, keep us from the evil of our company and friends who would distract us from you. Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem, keep us away from anything that distracts us from you. Anything that is even the slightest obstacle between us and you. Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem, Allahumma inna as'aluka habbaka. Wa Allahumma inna nas'aluka minka. Allahumma inna nas'aluka minka anta. Ya Rabbi Kareem, Ya Allah, hum aap se aap hi chate. Ya Allah, we ask you to grant us a ta'luk with you. We ask you to grant us your qurb, your ma'iyat. Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem, we too want to feel that you are kareeb. We too want to feel your akrabiya. We too want to feel the surur in our sajda. We too want to feel the lazzat in our ibadah. We too want to feel the halawat in our iman. Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem, restore to us our spirituality. Restore to us our feelings of the deen. Ya Allah, increase us in the quality of our worship. Increase us in the regularity of our worship. Ya Allah, bring us to the level of istikama. Ya Allah, we wish never to go back on sin. Ya Allah, we, never, we wish never to lose these barakat of Ramadan. Ya Rabbi Kareem, accept the fast that we perform for your sake. Accept the prayers that we offered in your court. Ya Allah, accept our taraweeh, our talawa, our recitation of the Qur'an. Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem, accept our du'as in this month of Ramadan. Ya Allah, those who are spending the full sunnah itikaf. Ya Allah, shower your khususi special rahmah and karam upon them. Be they in this masjid or anywhere in the world. Ya Allah, grant us a share in their du'as. Ya Allah, grant the ummah their rahat and a najat due to their du'as. Ya Allah, make them successful in their, their objective. Make them successful in their mission. Ya Allah, they have left everything to spend their time in your home. Ya Rabbi Kareem, Ya Allah, you and you alone can grant them the ajr and suwab for that. Ya Allah, they have left everything for you. Ya Allah, grant them your true and sachi muhabbat. Ya Allah, grant them your true and kamil muhabbat. Ya Allah, include them amongst the ranks of your lovers. Make them amongst your ranks of your beloveds. Ya Allah, those of us who will be spending time in nafil itikaf, Ya Allah, accept that from us. Ya Allah, give us tawfiq to do the complete sunnah itikaf some other year, next year of our life. Ya Rabbi Kareem, accept the time that we spent in your 
house, the time that we spent in the masjid, make it a means of averting our gaze and our heart from the dunya, make it a means of uniting our gaze and our heart to the akhirah. Ya Allah, Rabbi Kareem, Ya Allah, save us from the adab of the cover, save us from the difficulties of the day of judgment. Ya Allah, save us from being embarrassed in front of the Prophet Wasallam on that day. Save us from being ashamed in front of Amma Khadija, Amma, Amma Aisha on that day. Ya Allah, Rabbi Kareem, save us from being ashamed in from Sayyidina Abu Bakr, Sayyidina Ali anhumah on that day. Ya Allah, Rabbi Kareem, enable us to drink from the water of Hawz Kothar from the hands of the Prophet Wasallam. Grant us a place amongst the Saf of the Mu'mineen. Grant us a place in Jannah amongst the Siddiqeen and Sadiqeen, amongst the Nabiyeen and the Salihin. Ya Allah, Rabbi Kareem, Allahumma innaka afuun kareem tuhibbu la'fa fa fa anna. Allahumma innaka afuun kareem tuhibbu la'fa fa fa anna. Allahumma innaka afuun kareem tuhibbu la'fa fa fa anna. Allahumma inna nas'aluka al-jannatul firdawsi bi ghayri hisab. Allahumma ajirna min al-nar. Allahumma jalla min al-muttaqeen wal-sabirin wal-muhsineen wal-mutubakkineen wal-awwabeen wal-tawwabeen wal-zakirin wal-shakirin wal-musaldeen wal-mu'mineen wal-muslimeen Ya Allah, Ya Bikrim, we ask you to be hifazat of our iman. Ya Allah, we place our iman in your hifazah to hifazat of the iman of the youth of this ummah. Ya Allah, save them from the being bedazzled from the fitness of this world. Ya Allah, save them from being deluded by the fashion and society of this world. Ya Allah, let them enter into the khalis deen of Islam, the khalis way of the sahaba. Ya Rabbi Kareem, make us people of khulus, make us people of ikhlas. Ya Allah, those of us who may be ill, grant us health, grant us the sehati kamila ajala mustamara, the perfect, complete, and lasting type of health. Those of us who have any financial difficulty, grant us the risk halal tayyib, the purest and noblest forms of wealth. In Ya Rabbi Kareem, those of us who are drowning your ni'mas have our own laziness, haughtiness, arrogance to blame. Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem, please reform ourselves. Please reform our character. Ya Allah, take away our laziness. Grant us strength and discipline to do work of the deen. Grant us quwwat iradi, himmat to do your ibadah. Ya Allah, make us amongst the most sincere and stalwart seekers of the deen, seekers of your love, seekers of being your beloved. Ya Allah, accept this Ramadan. Ya Allah, make this Ramadan a month of change. Accept us for these last ten days. Ya Rabbi Kareem, Ya Allah, save us from all of other occupations and enable us to spend the maximum time in your worship and remembrance in these last ten days. Rabbana takambal minna inna أنت السميع العليم وتوب علينا إنك أنت التواب الرحيم وصلى الله تعالى على حبيبه سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين